do the hard things, part three. Last week, we talked a little bit about promotion being on the other side of doing the hard things. And promotion absolutely is on the other side of you being willing to be stretched to do that which is difficult. It may not be difficult for someone else, but it may be difficult for you, right? Or your difficulty may not be as challenging as the next person's, but it doesn't mean it's not hard, right? Like when I stood up here and talked about my challenge of starting the new job and how difficult that was for me, there's people in this building that I know have it 50 times harder than that. But it doesn't make my hard thing any less hard, right? Doesn't make it any less of a challenge for me. See, because we can get into this place as believers where we say, oh, well, I don't have it as bad as the next person. As if God helping you with what isn't as bad as the next person takes away from his power and ability to do something for someone else who has it worse. It doesn't. Right? And so all of us are dealing with something. And what we have to remember is that our promotion is on the other side of doing the hard thing. So last week we talked about James or talked from James chapter one, starting in verse two, going to verse four. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I love verse three, knowing that the testing of your faith produces right? There's always production that comes from a trial or doing a hard thing with the right motives. You can always expect to be better off when you come through that thing than you were when you went into it. But it depends on how you walk through it. If you walk through it complaining and grumbling and mad at God and mad at people around you, then, you know, you might stay in that place a little bit longer. If in the middle of your trial, you decide to try to worship other gods, and we would never say that, but we might do it. And I don't mean bow down and cry out to someone else. We might try to do things our own way or the way that the world tells us to do it. That is as much idolatry as bowing down to some figure that represents God. We don't want to be like Israel turn an 11-day journey into a 40-year thing and still not get to enter in. And then it have to be our children to take the land. So let's be committed to doing the hard thing. Amen? Amen. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at how we are to behave or what we should be doing in the midst of our trial, in the season where we're presented with these difficulties and these challenges. What are the things that we need to focus on during that time, right? And that's important because we can often think that we're by ourselves or we can start to listen to the wisdom of the world or your unsafe friend. Well, girl, you need to just, as soon as she say, well, girl, you know, you know, that's from the flesh. You know, that's from the flesh. Just cut it off, right? So let's talk about some things we need to do during those times of testing and hardship. In James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray 
Is anyone, any, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So the first thing that we need to do in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our difficult time, is we need to rededicate ourselves to prayer. Amen. Right? And some of you might be thinking, well, duh, shouldn't we be doing that all the time? Yes. But let's be honest. Too many of us, and I'm not saying the majority, but it may be the majority. We don't really have a real prayer life. In the morning, we might get up and thank God for the morning. We'll pray over our meals. And we may lay down at night and thank God for a good day. But are we truly entering into prayer? Do we really have a real prayer life. And I'm not saying a prayer life that looks like mine or a prayer life that looks like Cheryl's or anyone that's on our prayer team. Just are you, are you, do you have a prayer life where you're engaging with God consistently on a daily basis throughout the day? Imagine for you husbands, if you just said good morning to your wife and that's the last thing you said to her until you woke up the next day. Think about what your marriage would be like, right? Think about all of us have best friends or a best friend at least, I, I hope, right? But that relationship was built off of what? Shared time, right? Trust, transparency, all these different things. That's what it takes to build a relationship with other people. It's the same thing that you need in your relationship with God. And so prayer builds relationship. Now, in James 5.13, where it says, if there's anyone suffering, let him pray. This isn't just any kind of prayer. When you look that word that we translated into the, the English pray, it, it means to supplicate or to worship. Supplication is a humble but earnest uh, asking of God for something. So a lot of times we'll be going through a hardship and it's like, well, it's just my station. This is where God has me. I'm just going to endure it and get through. Be prepared to stay in that place for a while. Versus saying, I'm in a trial. I'm in a testing time. I'm in the midst of hardship. Lord, what am I to learn from this? And you keep asking him until he answers you. You keep going to him until he answers you. You earnestly but humbly ask or request of the Lord something to help you start to navigate through that hardship. That's supplication. Then it also means worship. And let me just tell you what we just did with these, our worship team up here is an aspect of worship. It's not all. We say worship to most Christians and we automatically go to music. And worship is the way we live our lives before God. And sometimes it involves music. Don't get me wrong. Music, singing, and praising unto the Lord can absolutely help you in the midst of hardship. Try it sometimes. The next time you're really pressed, the next time you really feel heavy, just put on worship music and start to sing with it. And, and I guarantee you it will start to lift. But if, if our worship is only about music, we don't have a full worship life. 
Because part of worshiping God is my obedience. Part of worshiping God is walking with him through the fire. Part of my worship of God is having my ear tuned to his voice so that I can direct, I can, I can move my feet in the direction that he's taking me. And so in the midst of your hardship, you can't forget about worship to God and start to do other things to ease your pain. I'm going to just drink this just so I can, you know, get a little relief. I'm going to just smoke this just so I can forget for a little bit of time my hardship. Let me get on this computer, man, and, and look at something I shouldn't be looking at. Just so I can, just, just so I can get a little bit of distance from, from what I'm dealing with. I'm going through a hardship. Let, let me kill myself working so that I can make money so that I can take care of this problem that is in my life. All those things do not involve worship of God. In the midst of hardship, we need to supplicate and we need to stay in a posture and a heart condition of worship. That yes, Lord, it's hard, but I worship you. Yes, Lord, I'm struggling, but I still worship you. Yes, Lord, this is, this is stretching me, but, but, but it's all about you and not about me. What are you trying to establish in me through this? Is any among you suffering? Let him, let her, let them pray. I start to think about this and it's like, man, there's, there's some great things that happen when we pray. First of all, prayer invites God into the hardship with you, right? It's like the, the, the three Hebrew boys and they get thrown into the furnace. And when, when the king looks in there, it's like, didn't we throw three in there? Why is there a fourth? Right? Or Daniel gets, gets let down into the lion's den, but, but God is there. The angel of the Lord is there to shut the mouths of the lions, the king, he can't even sleep all night. And he wakes up in the morning. He goes, he runs to see if Daniel, and he's like, Daniel, are you okay? And he's like, oh, king, let, you know, let the king live forever. I'm straight. The Lord got me, right? He was, he was African-American in 2022. <laughs> I'm straight, Lord. It's all good. We have to, prayer invites God into the hardship with us. Think about the disciples as they're on the boat and they're going across Galilee and there's a storm and Jesus is asleep and they're waking him up. Like, do you not care that we're about to die? And he's like, do you not have faith? You don't know who's in the boat with you. You don't know who's walking through the storm with you. Storm, be quiet. Now are you fine? Are you okay now? When we pray, we invite God into the hardship with us. And trust me, you want him walking with you in the hardship. The next thing that prayer does is it helps us see things from a heavenly and even eternal perspective. Right? It, it, it elevates us. It elevates us. See, I'm only 5'9", so if I'm standing around a bunch of 6'3", six, six, guys, you know, like when I'm around Rick Larson... It's, I feel safe because he's such a big guy, but it's like, I, I can't see, you know? Or like when, when the Dreesons, the, 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 the Dreesen family was here, not, not our Dreesens, but the, the, well, 
Anyway, Maddie got baptized. That's, that's Eric and Mary Jo's niece. She's like 6'1". Her dad and mom are six something, right? So Hannah's texting me during service like, they're too tall to be that close. Their hands are in the picture. It's like, wow, it's nice to be around tall people. But as a, I won't say short, but an average size man, I can't always see. But when I get on this stage, I can see what's going on in this room. When you pray, you get an elevated perspective on things so that you can now see what you couldn't see before when you were in that low place, when you were in the midst of that hardship. Amen? Amen. Prayer moves us from the flesh into the spirit. And that is good. And that is where we need to be. If we're going to graduate through the hard time, we have to stay in the spirit because if we stay in the flesh, we'll make matters worse. Take it from me. It took me years to realize, let me get in the spirit when I'm in the midst of this trial. Because getting frustrated and lashing out, that's operating in my flesh and I'm making a bigger mess than it needs to be. Prayer moves us from the flesh into the spirit. And when we're in the spirit, we can start to hear from the spirit. Right? Prayer elevates God over our situation. It puts God back on the throne. And not your hardship, not your challenge, not your problem. It elevates God above the difficulty to where you can say, you know what? He's, he, Jesus is still on the throne. What am I worried about? I'm still in covenant with him, right? That's why you can look at the story of David and you can understand if you have a lifestyle of, of prayer and seeing that elevate God over your problem, you can understand David when he was saying, why is everyone else fearful? Like this guy's uncircumcised. He has no covenant with God. And we're the covenant people. I'll fight him. But you're just a boy. And he's been a champion from the time he was a boy. Yeah, but, but I have God. That's a big challenge in front of me. But watch God work. And so in confidence, David goes and he fights against uh, Goliath and overcomes. Because prayer uh, elevates God over our situation. Prayer also allows us to be, <clears throat> it, prayer allows us to be transparent before God. It's okay to tell him, Lord, I'm frustrated by this. I don't understand this. I feel like you've forgotten about me in the midst of this. I don't understand why I have to go through this. Now, you got to be ready for his answers too. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. I remember when I was praying to the Lord, God, I've been faithful financially. I've been tithing from the time I learned about tithing. I shouldn't have to go through this. And he says, your problem is you think the tithe belongs to me. And it all belongs to me. So yes, you're faithful with your tithe, but you're, this is the Lord's words. You're dumb with the rest of it. He wasn't calling me dumb, but he sure was telling me the decisions I make are. And he started to lay them out. You get into silly debt because your eye wants something that you can't wait on. You change jobs, don't even tell your wife about it. He started laying this stuff out to me. And it's like, 
Okay. Um, thank you for that point of clarification. <laughs> right? Thank you, Jesus. Ouch, but uh, I, I needed that spanking. Prayer allows us to be transparent before the Lord. It really does. And God isn't upset with that. Amen? Prayer puts a demand on the grace of God. And the grace of God isn't just about salvation. The grace of God is also about his empowerment. So when I pray, I can receive an empowerment from the Lord to stand strong in the midst of trial. The last thing is that prayer changes things. If you don't believe me, just try it. The scripture says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. It means it changes things. May not change it overnight, but it's working. It's changing things in a realm that you and I can't see. I remember, I remember being in this tough time and praying and feeling like my prayer was hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down. Seriously, like, man, this is, and I, I, there was, for a, for a minute, Doc, I was ready to give up praying, and I just heard the Spirit whisper, keep doing it. And it's like, but this is getting nowhere. I mean, it literally felt like that prayer was contained in that room. That as it was trying to hit, go, go up to the throne of God, it was hitting the ceiling and falling back down. And I'm, this is pointless. And the Lord's saying, keep doing it. Keep going. And so I wouldn't feel like it. I wouldn't feel like it was making any difference. But thank God, my life is not governed or should not be governed by my feelings. In fact, let me say it this way. When your life is governed by the way you feel, you are in the flesh. Seriously. I'm not saying your feelings are bad. I'm saying that you can't trust them. You just can't trust them. I had a conversation with someone today, or um, not today, this week, who was saying to me, well, you know, your, your wife doesn't like me. And I said, well, let me just stop you there. That's, that's your brokenness saying that because I know my wife and she has no problem with you. She loves you. No, you just, you just don't understand. You don't know. I said, okay, all right, fine. Have a good day. But this is a person governed by their feelings. And it's keeping them from a relationship with someone that can help transform their lives their life. Amen. 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 So we have to pray in the midst of our hardship. Galatians chapter six, verses nine and 10, it says, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart in due season. That means there's a process. That means there can be time involved in this thing. See, the disadvantage we have is we read in one chapter about the hardship that, that someone in the Bible is going through, and in the next chapter, we see God deliver them. What we need to do when we read the scripture is ask, how much time has gone by? Because for me, reading that, it was a flip of a page. But we need to realize it might be 25 years that Abraham waited on God to bring the promise. 
Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. So the next thing we need to do in the midst of our hardship is we need to do good to other people. You may not feel like it, but I just told you, you can't trust your feelings. There's days I don't feel like going to work, but I have kids and a wife and responsibilities. And so I don't care how you feel. Get your butt up, get showered and dressed and go make some money. Right? Kids are governed by how they feel, how they feel. Men, women, mature people to Mature people, they're governed by what they know they're responsible to do. And so let me do good in the midst of my hardship to other people, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, here's the good thing of that is doing good for someone else gets the focus off of you. Because in the midst of the trial, we can be, oh, it's just... Life is just so hard on me. Doc, you just don't understand. Crosby, you just don't get it. Right? Lizzie, you just, you, it's not like this for you. Go do something for someone else. Instead of staying in your pity party and looking at how bad life is to you and how hard life has been on you. And don't get me wrong. Some of us have had a hard life. But there's always someone there out there that's had it or has it harder. Right? So when I'm going through this difficulty, man, let me find someone to bless. Let me find someone that I can, I can be a blessing to. Amen? Now, you could be going through the hard thing for that very purpose. Meaning to get you out of your self-centered mentality. Because some of us, and I'm not talking about people in the world, I'm talking about Christian people who love Jesus. We act like the world revolves around us. Right? And it's hard to be around those kinds of people. But oftentimes a hard thing is designed to bring us out of our own world so that we can be a blessing to someone else in theirs. Right? We can get too wrapped up in our own life that we don't see the lives of other people. Oh, we see people and we look at people from the standpoint of, okay, how can they be a blessing to my world? Which is selfish. Versus how can I use who I am and what God has given me to be a blessing to these people in their world? That's why I like talking to people and hearing their story. Let me say that a different way because I'm not a chatterbox. (laughs) I like hearing people's story. Let me just say it that way. Because you just never know what they're going through, what they've been through, right? And it helps me stay from, uh, keep from being self-centered, from making life all about me, mine, and I.
Too many of us live like that because our culture tells us it's all about you. Life is all about you. And so we stay in this selfish place. And God is saying, no, I've put you here to be a blessing to them. Get outside of yourself for half a second so that you can see what others are going through and how you can make a difference for them. Oh, but God, I'm going through a trial right now. And your point is, my son is hanging on the cross and he's saying to John, John, behold your mother. Because he knows his mother, Mary, her heart is breaking because her son is dying. And he's thinking of Mary while he's hanging on the cross saying, John, take care of my mother. Are you hanging on a cross? Probably not. So you can still operate like Jesus in your trial. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Let's look at Matthew 19. Verse 23 to 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This is a pretty powerful message, especially for us as Americans or those who live in America, <clears throat> because we are the rich man. Oh, but I, I live below the poverty line. You're still richer than 93% of the rest of the world, right? So you're American or you're in America, you are the rich man. And so this verse is speaking to people like you and I. And Jesus is saying, it's not impossible, but it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. His disciples are blown away by this. Well, then who can be saved? Because in in, in Judaism and in their circle, it was oftentimes looked at the prosperity of a person was proof of God's blessing. And we think like that too. Oh man, God is blessed. Well, you got to remember, even the devil said to Jesus, just worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. And, and, and he wasn't lying. I know he's a liar and a father of them, but he had the authority to do that. And so material blessing or being rich, being American, doesn't mean anything. In fact, Jesus says it's, it's, it's hard. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then who can be saved? And Jesus says with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what is my point? What's this have to do with hardship? Here's what it has to do with hardship. Is you and I, need to remove impossible from our vocabulary when we're including God in the equation. When it's just you and your wife and kids, keep impossible in there because there's some stuff you just can't do. 
I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how talented you are. There's some stuff you can't do. Well, my mom always told me I can be anything I want to be and I can accomplish. She lied to you. That's not true. Right? That's just not true. That's a lie. But with God, all things are possible. And so I have to remove impossible from my vocabulary. I'm never going to make any money. Remove that. It's not impossible with God. Oh, me and, me and this man, me and this woman, we just, we can't get along. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm, I'm never going to be successful. I'm, it's not impossible as long as God is in the equation. And I'm telling you, some of us are going through hard things and difficulties and challenges, and we're starting to let that never and impossible creep in. And if you're going to keep God on the outside of that, then okay, that's appropriate. But if you're going to invite God into the hardship with you, remove from your vocabulary the word impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. Think about some of the stuff that you want changed in your life. With God, it is possible. I often tell the story about how I grew up and I had a filthy mouth and the way I figured I was going to get that cured is have my friends. And, and remember, I'm an average size guy, right? I always thought I was a big dude until I married my wife and she helped me realize, no, nah, you're, you're really not. And she said to me, if, if you're big, why are all of your friends bigger than me? And my response was, I, I have big friends. That's why. No, that's not true. You're not a big dude. And it took me a while to realize that, but it's like, she's right. So anyway, I have all these big friends. So the way I was going to cure my foul mouth was when I cuss, you punch me in the chest or the arm. And I figured the pain would train me to not do that. Didn't work. All I had was bruises. That's all I had was bruises. But when I got saved, I didn't even have to try to stop. Because with God, all things are possible. I didn't even realize I stopped until I saved about two months. And I was driving to Houston, Texas from Dallas. And the Lord says to me, when's the last time you cussed? And it's like, whoa, I don't. It's been a while. I, I think it was like the day I got saved. I'm telling you, we, we got to remove impossible from our vocabulary, church. When we invite God into the equation. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So we need to remember that this hardship is cyclical. I love the way 
Pastor Gordon would always say it to us is this too shall pass. Well, what are you talking about? Whatever it is, this too shall pass. And so I have to have a mind for, okay, this is the season that I'm in. Once again, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to develop in me? Right? Let me have a mind for what I'm going to look like when I come out on the other side of this thing. Because for everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. The question is, how will you and I respond to the hardship? Will our response to the hardship expedite the process? Or will it cause it to drag on? Right? I'm telling you now, repentance will start to move a lot of things in your life. Pride will keep them established in your life. Right? And so when we start to go through hardship, it's, a, it's, it's good for us to ask, Lord, have I sinned against you? Or has my own stupidity got me into this place? For, for me, y'all aren't, you guys aren't stupid. You don't do stupid stuff. I do. For you, you would say, has my lack of wisdom led me into this hardship? Right? I, if you can't tell, I'm not easy on myself. <laughs> the question is, will our response to the hardship expedite the process or will it cause it, the, the season of hardship to be extended? Because there's a season for this stuff, right? It, this chapter, is, if you kept reading, kept reading, it would say things like there's a time to be born, a time to die. There's a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, right? There's a time to heal, a time to kill. I like this one. It says there's a time to keep silent and a time to speak, Right? You don't have to talk all the time. Right. Remember in 2020, and we were doing all the racial reconciliation work here, and I started getting calls from the news because I had been on the news about everything, right? So Joe Biden, President Biden, picks uh, uh, Kamala Harris to be his running mate. They're calling me. we like a, a, a comment from you on this. I don't have one. Well, what do you mean? Like... You don't have an opinion? Yes, I do. But I don't have one for you. Well, we, we, we need a comment as, as one of the leaders in our community. Let me help you understand something. I'm not lending my voice to everything so that I just become another talking head. And when I speak, it's the Charlie Brown teacher deal. Wah, 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 wah. I'm going to lend my voice to things that really matter. So that when I speak, people listen. They stop and they listen. Amen. There's a time to speak and a time to refrain from speaking. Amen. Let's have enough wisdom to know what to do. Right? right? Now, after that, you skip down to verse 11. It says, he, meaning God, 
has made everything beautiful in its time. How can my hardship be beautiful by you honoring God in the midst of it? Do we not see that with Jesus when he's glorified and they see him in heaven and there's the lamb in the midst of the throne that has been slain? And it's, not, it, it, it's, it's no longer a brutal picture, but it's a beautiful picture of Jesus. I think he'll have those scars and they'll be beautiful scars. Your hardship, if we walk through this season of hardship the right way, can eventually be something beautiful in the sight of God. And so recognize that this too shall pass. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, for we believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Be- believers of Christ, dis- let me put it this way, disciples of Christ, I didn't say Christians, disciples of Christ walk by faith and not by sight. It's a lot of Christians walking by sight. But disciples Walk by faith. What is faith? Well, faith is the reliance upon and trust in God. It's that simple. I rely on the Lord for everything and I trust in God in everything. Well, everyone else around us is getting laid off. I trust in God. This job ain't my source anyway. I thank God for it. I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to work uh, as unto the Lord. But whether I have it or not, the Lord is my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. Amen. Right? Amen. That's walking by faith. That's relying upon the Lord. When we went through our difficulty, we ate by faith. Because people would invite us out to dinner or we'd show up and there'd be groceries on our front porch and they would always be just in time. And I'm like, man, Lord, this, this, like, you cutting it close. <laughs> you cutting it close. And I got to the point, Doc, where it was like, I need to stop worrying about how close he's cut it and realize he's got it. Right? We lived by faith for what, a, a year, year and a half? Because we, we, we couldn't provide for ourselves because of my bad stewardship. So as disciples of Christ, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Exercise your faith, church. That's one of the primary purposes for the hardship is to give you an opportunity to flex your faith muscles. Not like you're in a bodybuilding contest, but to flex them from the standpoint of being able to use them 
so that down the line, you know how to use them. Right? Let me exercise my faith now in this trial because the way life works, there's a bigger one coming. And so if I'm going to need it then, I need it now. If I'm going to learn how to trust, if I need to learn how, if I need to trust him and rely upon him, then I need to start learning how to do that right now. Right? Part of the purpose of the trial is to build our faith, to strengthen our faith, to have our faith tested so that we can, so that faith can rise up in us and we can walk as overcomers in Christ Jesus. Now, the opposite of faith is fear. It's not unbelief, it's fear. And let me tell you, fear will keep you from God's blessing and the promotion that he's trying to bring into your life. If in the midst of our hardship, we will operate out of fear, then the promotion can't come. The blessing of God can't come. And so you're just going through this hardship for no, for no reason. Does that make sense? You just suffered and got nothing out of it. That's, that's not how we need to live. Let me flex faith in the midst of hardship so that God can promote me out of this place and his blessing, another level of his blessing can come upon my life. So much so that I can start to be a blessing. That's one of the scriptures I pray over myself is it talks about Isaac going into the land and sowing in the land during a, heart, during a famine. And it says in the, in the first year, he reaped a hundredfold. How you reap a hundredfold and there's no water? By faith. Because with God, all things are possible. And it said, and the man began to prosper. Until he continued prospering, until he became very prosperous. Come on, church. In, in a famine? In a famine. Because with God, all things are possible. And as disciples of Christ, we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm sure there are people around Isaac saying, you're crazy, dude. There's no water. Why are you sowing right now? That's a waste of seed for you. But I've invited God into my hardship. And he's got water we don't even know about. Right? So we have to walk by faith and not by fear because the fear is trying to take from us when faith is trying to add to us. Let's look at this as an example, and we'll close with this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 20, uh, 24 to 30. And it's the, it's the parable of the, uh, the, the, the talents, where the master gave five talents to one servant, two talents to another, and one talent to the third. And we're going to focus on that, that third servant who got one talent. And now the master has come, and he says, give an account and so that third servant comes and he says, <clears throat> he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid 
and went and hid my talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in the hardship, operate by faith so that the Lord can add to you. Reject fear of all kinds because it's trying to take from you. You know, fear is kind of a sign that we don't really know God, right? Like, did you hear what he said? I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gather where you have not scattered seed. And that caused me to be afraid. It's like, whose report have you been believing? That's not the Lord at all. Do you even know him? Obviously not. And because you believe the false report, which fear comes with false reports, it's not going to work out for you this time, Eddie. Pharaoh, this is it. This is the end. Heather's going to fall apart. Oh, man. I'm fearful. So now I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. But guess what? He's coming one day. And you're going to have to give an account of your stewardship. And so I have to walk by faith, not by sight. So that when fear comes with the false report, I can say, shut up. With God, all things are possible. Fear, you don't know my God, do you? You don't know that he has fashioned me to be an overcomer. You don't know what he has equipped me with. Like I've had people doubt me my whole life, right? And, and when I was unhealthy, I handled that one way. I'll show them, right? And I'd show them. And the Lord was patient with me until I got saved. And I started to realize I, I can't function with that. I'll show them. And so I start to look at things this way. Oh, yeah, they're, they're doubting me again. They don't know what's in me. My God is in me. His gifting is in me. And I may not be enough, but he is. So you can shoot arrows of doubt and belittlement and all these other things. But just, just stay alive. Please don't die. I want you to see what the Lord is going to do. Then you can hate on something else. Right? Because to everyone who has, 
And I will say faith to him, to her, to them, more will be given. And so this is a house of faith. And we're coming to the end of this season that we call 2022. You need to start to make a list of things you want to see the Lord do in 2023. And put that before him. Lord, I've been faithful to you this year. I haven't been perfect. I didn't say that, but I've been faithful. I've been consistent. I've walked by faith. Could you get in agreement with this? Can you provide this? I know you can. I guess I should ask, will you? And Lord, will you add to this list? Because this is, this is what I want. And some of it may be your desire as well, because the Bible is clear that when I delight myself in you, you tell my heart what to desire. So I believe a lot of this you want. Some of it is just me. But God will sometimes give us what we want. Start to present that before the Lord. And watch him move in 2023. I've heard that before. You see, you're letting fear creep in. I'm not talking to you. Go sit over there. All of us faith people, we here. You could join the party when you get out of that fear stuff. Watch what God does. There's certain things that I want the Lord to do in my life personally over the next five years. I believe he's going to do a lot of it before five years gets here. I believe he might show up to me one day and be like, why do you think so small? Do you know who I am? Right? Right? So it's like, present it to the Lord and then say, but according to the riches of your goodness, Lord, according to the abundance that is in you, Lord, right? Go ahead and do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or even fathom, Lord. I'm open to it because we're a people of faith. And the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, which means, ooh, when I walk by faith and not by sight, my life pleases the Lord. Amen? Amen, Tony. Father, in Jesus' name, we're believing.